Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. This Lent, Jesus wants to meet you in the desert. Yes, in the desert. You know, of course, the the desert is an important biblical theme, and it really serves as the background to these 40 days of Lent we're about to begin. But what is the spirituality of the desert? What happens in the desert? Why did Jesus go out into the desert? Why did God bring Israel out into the desert? What is it that he wants to do in our hearts? How can we live this desert spirituality in these 40 days? And and, and how do the three main practices of Lent really uh, relate to this desert theme? That's what I want to talk about today. Do you know the three basic practices that every Catholic needs to do during Lent? Uh, and these are these are found in the catechism. They're found in, in scripture, of course. What are those three practices? We're going to talk about this as we go out and journey with God into the desert. So welcome back to the All Things Catholic podcast. I'm your host, Edward Sree, and I, I'm getting excited here. You know, Lent, you know, we, we could think of Lent as like that gloomy season. Oh, we have to give something up, <laughs> you know, and don't get me wrong. There's little challenges and I, there's things I'm going to miss in the Lenten season. But there's a part of me that is legitimately excited, sincerely excited that I know in these these 40 days, God does something in us to, to to draw us closer to Him if we really enter into it. If we if we have the right attitude and approaches to the various sacrifices and devotions that we bring in to the Lenten season, but I, I, that's why I love this theme from from Scripture about the desert. You know, think about it. You know, why the desert? Why would you want to go out into the desert to meet God? <laughs> you know, of all the places, you know, uh, who wants to go out into the desert? There's no food, there's no shelter, there's nothing to drink. You know, it's quiet, there's solitude there. You know, I, I mean, imagine like if there was a, a family reunion and your family was saying, let's all go to the desert for next year's family reunion. You know, who'd want to go? Or if Focus wanted to do their big conference with college students, let's do it out in the desert. Uh, it, actually, we, we actually did do that this last year. We did it in Phoenix, but that was the city. I mean, the, the real wilderness. What is it about the desert? You know, uh, think about it. The quiet, the solitude, the opportunity to really meet God at a deeper level. That's important that we build that in to our spiritual life on a regular basis. And Lent is a great opportunity to be reminded of that as we go out into the desert and really encounter our Lord and we hear him speaking to us more. We're more present to him. We're more aware of his spirit prompting us in our life or challenging us in certain ways or, or, or maybe comforting us, encouraging us in ways. You know, when we're busy and we're running around in the, in the rat race of life, uh, we're, we're not as aware of God's presence and the movements of his spirit in our heart. But if you go out to the desert geographically, you know, physically onto the desert, you're, there's a lot of quiet and solitude out there. And that's kind of what God wants to do with us in this season. He, he, he wants just to be with us. Will we be present to him? Uh, and so I think that's one thing we could think about with the desert. Yeah, I also think about the desert. There's not a lot of food out there and there's not a lot of water out there. We know Jesus himself as he's out there fasting. One of my favorite lines of the Bible, it's hilarious. And it's in Matthew chapter four. It says, Jesus fasted for 40 days and he was hungry. <laughs> of course he's hungry. <laughs> if I fast for just like 40 minutes, I might get hungry sometimes, right? Yeah, you know, so, uh, but that idea of, of, being, of being hungry, of, of thirsting, you, you, you start becoming aware of your desires 
And, and that, and that's good for us. So when we, on, on Ash Wednesday, you know, the church recommends that we fast on that day, you know, all adults having just one, only one full meal that day. And I know some people just don't eat at all on that day or, you know, whatever you do, but, but when you're hungry, you, you, you come into, into a, a deeper level of awareness of your physical hunger, but it also points to an even deeper hunger that we have, a spiritual hunger or a, a spiritual thirst that we have for God. And, and God wants to awaken that in us. So when you go out into the desert, you become very quickly aware of your desire for water and your desire for, for hunger. Uh, I, I was just in Israel this last year. You know, I, go, I lead pilgrimages each year and we spend some time out at the Jordan River where John the Baptist had his baptism ministry. And, and when you're out there, it's out in the wilderness and you're, you're very, you're on the lowest spots on the face of the earth near the Dead Sea and it's really hot. And we just recommend everyone to be drinking a lot of water that day. And you quickly realize how thirsty you are when you're in a desert climate. God wants to awaken that thirst for him in us. And, and that's the background here. Uh, if I had to pick one scripture verse that really gets to the heart of the desert spirituality in terms of what is God doing? Why does he bring the people of Israel out into the desert for those 40 years? And, and why are we journeying in this Lenten season with our sacrifices and devotions and fasting for these 40 days, remembering Israel's 40 years? What, what, what is it that God's wanting to do in us? What did he want to do in Israel? Listen to what God says in the book of Deuteronomy chapter eight. The book of Deuteronomy is, is written at the end of the 40 year journey. There are, the people are about to enter the promised land for 40 years. They've been wandering around the, the wilderness around the desert. And now they're about to go into the promised land, but God and Moses are looking back over the last 40 years. And God says in Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse two, this is why he brought the people out into the wilderness into the desert for those 40 years. He says, because I was testing you. I was testing you. But the kind of test is fascinating. I want you to really get this here. He's not just testing you like, hey, I want to see, can you fast a long, long time? Can you go without food? Can you go without all that meat and garlic you had in Egypt? You know, I'm just testing you. Can you give up your chocolate, you Christians here in the 21st century? Can you give up your chocolate for 40? It's not that kind of a test. God's not as interested in that. He's interested in testing your heart. That's what God says in Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. I was testing you so that I would know what was in your heart. God wants to know what, what, what's in your heart. Is your heart really for him? What is it that you really treasure? What is it that you really long for in life? We say we love God and, and we make God a priority. We go to church every Sunday. We say our prayers. We try to be good Christians and, and that's all great. But where is your heart really? You know, because where your treasure is, there your heart is, Jesus says. And sometimes I, I, I really want God, but I also want to be popular or I want to be liked or I, I really want God, but I also want to have a lot of financial security and, a, and I don't want to stress about finances and I have to have all these, these, these financial resources piled up in my bank account. Or I really love God, I really do, and I want to be a good Christian, but... I like having all these comforts or I really love God, but I like watching these shows and, and spending a lot of time on Netflix and maybe I could spend more time with my wife or spend more time with my kids or with my friends, or maybe I could actually spend more time with God in prayer. But man, what's on Instagram is just so pressing. I really just need to fill my mind, you know, at every little space I have in the middle of the day, you know, that opens up a little break, you know, in between things. And I got it. I got to check the gram, you know, God's testing our hearts all the time. 
but he gives us Lent to really try to draw out our, our, our desires for him and to test, do you really want him? Do you really make him first? Or are these other things just filling up your heart, crowding out space for him? So when we get into now, I'm going to talk about the three major practices of Lent, the three things every Catholic must put into practice you know, throughout the year, but in, in sharpened form, in an intentional way, especially in Lent. I don't want you to think of these as like, again, oh, I got I to gotta do this sacrifice and, and God's testing me to see if I can really be faithful to the sacrifice for 40 days. I'm going to prove to God I was really faithful. It's not that kind of a test. God's testing our heart. He wants to know, will we make space for him in our heart? Will we make more room for him in our heart? That's what these Lenten practices are all about. So you're wondering, what are those practices? Many of you may know, many of you may be like me. You know, I remember I grew up Catholic and I went to Catholic schools. I went off to college uh, and for many years in my young adult life, I didn't know what the major practices of Lent were. I, I knew you made a sacrifice. That was it. You know, give up something. Uh, but I didn't know what this was. Uh, so I want to share with you, it comes right out of Matthew chapter six, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And that's intentional. Jesus puts it right in the middle. He's saying, this is the center of the whole Christian life, what it means to be a disciple. These are the three practices every Christian must live out and not just in Lent, but throughout our lives. But the Catholic church has always turned to these three things and given them special attention, you know, so we can renew our commitment to them. What are they? Fasting prayer and almsgiving. Fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. These are the three things every Catholic must go after, you know, in an intentional way during Lent. This is what it means to be a faithful disciple throughout the year, you know, but just like you have anniversaries, you know, to really remember and celebrate your marriage and to kind of deepen your marriage, you know, you should love your spouse all the 365 days a year, but there's certain moments you, you particularly remember your marriage, right? And, and that's what we're doing here in Lent. We need these practices all the time as a disciple, but in Lent, I, I'm going to try to renew my commitment, go deeper here. So let's talk about these. You know, the first one you're, 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 you're probably familiar with, right? Then fasting, this whole idea of giving things up, but why am I giving them up? I'm giving certain things up to make room in my heart for Jesus. Do you, do you want more room in your heart for Jesus? Do you, and I don't mean that in some vague sense. I mean, do you, do you really want to experience God's grace in your life more? Him, him drawing you closer to him? Or, you know, do you want to experience him pointing things out that you need to change? You know, that's sometimes hard, but deep down, do you really want to live like him, to live in the way he's calling you to follow his guidance in your life to really have a life led by his spirit? Do you do want to grow in holiness and all these things? Well, we have to make room for him. If I want to grow in virtue, if I want to imitate Jesus more. I have to have space in my heart for him. But if my heart is full of all these other things, whether it's, I just can't stop thinking about food and I just want to feed my belly and this favorite dessert that I have, or this favorite restaurant I like to go to all the time, or this favorite coffee, I just have to have this special type of coffee at this special coffee shop. You know, and, and my mind's just always focused on those are not bad things. None of them are evil things. But when I, I, I become attached to them, and sometimes I'm not even aware that I'm attached to these things. You ever do that? You give up something for Lent and you think, okay, yeah, that'll challenge me a little bit, but it may not be that bad. But once you actually make the commitment to give it up, all of a sudden you find yourself, wow, I, I'm thinking about this. Wow, this is really hard. I really want that, you know? Many times in my life, my life is really busy in the day and I'm running from one thing to the next. And there's several times that I, I can't get lunch. 
And, you know, and I'll go through the whole day and I won't eat lunch and I come home, I eat dinner. I'm really hungry at dinner, but I made it through the day. I wasn't whining. I wasn't complaining. It was just fine, you know, because I was just busy. But man, on Ash Wednesday, when I have to make the commitment not to eat that day, I'm just thinking about food all day long. It's crazy, (laughs) you know, but when we're giving these things up, it, it helps us to have more space to encounter God. I'm not focused on food. I'm not focused on drink, but I, I want us to think of fasting in broader ways. Now the church requires us to do certain kind of like fasting from food and, you know, on, on good Friday, Ash Wednesday, uh, giving up meat on Fridays throughout Lent, you know, that's all, you know, the, you know, the basic minimum we all do, but you know, we're invited to also try to do a little more and that little more you could apply and say, I'm going to give up chocolate all through these 40 days, you know, or I'm going to give up this, my favorite restaurant or my favorite coffee, whatever, you know, or my favorite beer, you know, I'm going to give up alcohol. I've heard people say that, you know, wonderful thing to do. So you could do those things, or you you might also want to think about maybe I'm going to give up another kind of thing. I'm going to do another kind of fasting. Like I'm going to fast from screens. You know, I remember my wife and I, we did one year, we just said, you know what, when we put the kids down, we're not going to look at any screens. We're not going to look at our phones. We're not going to, you know, just pull out our laptops and start doing email or whatever, you know, we're just going to, we're just going to just have some time just for us to talk. And it was, it was a great thing, you know, and if there was something important that came up, like, oh, I forgot, I have to call my mom back. We would do it. But our agreement was we would talk to each other before we pulled out the screen. Like I'd go to Beth. Hey Beth, I forgot. I was supposed to call my mom back. Are you okay if I call her? Okay. Yeah. And then it's fine. But it was just a great check. And that little action of just saying, I have to check in with her and ask really made me much more discerning on how much I turn to my phone or open up my computer. Oh, I, I have to, there's this really important email. I forgot to get out, honey. You know, they, they really need this. Could, is it okay? You know, but, but to ask, I wasn't asking as often. I think if I didn't ask, I, I would just instinctively just pull it out. And I started to realize, man, a lot of my heart is given up to screens. You know, and I give talks on this stuff about how we have to, you know, not be so addicted to screens. But that, I remember that Lent was an awareness uh, awakening uh, moment for me to realize, you know, uh, it, it's one thing to write about it and teach about the, you know, how much social media and screens can 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 really hinder us from really encountering each other. But I, I really experienced that having that space to encounter my wife more and really have a little more time for just thinking about God before I go to bed instead of just checking my favorite soccer team score, you know, on, on my phone or something, you know. So that, that, that's an example of like being creative. And, and we do the church's minimum fasts again on, on the Good Friday and Ash Wednesday, and, and then certainly not eating meat on Fridays throughout Lent. But we were invited to do more, other kinds of fasting. Maybe you fast from news, like, you know, it's a, it's a political year, you know, the election year. And there's you know, maybe some of you out there are really into the election and you want to know the latest and what's happening. And, you know, and just say, you know what, for Lent, I'm just going to give that up. I'm just going to give up listening to news. You know, that could be really hard. Or I'm just going to give up checking on sports. Or I'm going to give up my favorite show on Netflix. Doesn't mean these things are bad. I can look at them later on, you know, but like to create that space, that's what fasting's about. You're not trying to prove I have willpower. I can do this. <laughs> no, that's not what God wants. He wants your heart. He wants more of your heart. Give up things to create space, to encounter him, to build that silence, to build that solitude, to be greater in touch with your deeper thirsts and hungers. That's the desert. Go to the desert with Jesus. Prayer. You know, that's the second major practice that Jesus outlines in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6. He, he talks about how we have to have the practice of prayer. And again, we should pray all throughout the year, but this Lenten season, we always want to just do a little more. Maybe you could go to Mass during the week. Uh, maybe if you're already going to Mass, 
you know, a, a couple times a week, you go a little more or you just say, I'm going to make a commitment and go every day during the week. I'm just making it a priority. I'll use my lunch break, whatever it is. I'll go to daily mass. That's a wonderful thing to do. Or maybe you say, I'm going to spend time with scripture every day. I'm going to spend 15 minutes just reading the word of God or reflecting on, on the gospel stories of, of the mass readings each day or just doing Lexio Divina on the life of Jesus. Those are wonderful things. Like you add a little extra prayer. Now keep doing the minimal prayer you've been doing already, whatever that is, whether you're doing a holy hour or you just pray for five minutes a day, whatever that is, you keep that up. But then Lent is a chance to do a little more for Jesus. Um, maybe going and visiting a chapel, you know, you can pray anywhere. But if you have a chance to just say, you know, once a day, I'm just going to stop by the Blessed Sacrament. I may do it on my way to work in the morning. I may do it on my way home. But once a day, I'm just going to stop by. And even just for like two or three minutes, I'm just going to say hello to Jesus. Like that little act of love. Like that's Jesus there. He's testing your heart and he wants to know, do you love me? Do you make time for me? Or maybe I just say, I'm going to I'm going to try to do a, a holy hour once a week. And that's something new I have not done before. And that's a great thing. But again, what you're doing here by taking extra time for prayer is opening up your heart, creating more space in your heart for him. Lastly, let's talk about the third major practice for Lent. Again, these are the basic pious deeds of any Christian. Every, any disciple needs to fast, needs to pray. But the third thing we all need to do is almsgiving. What is almsgiving? This is the one that's, I think, the, the fuzziest for most Christians. Don't think of almsgiving as just giving money you know, to support a charity or even throwing money in the basket. That's not what almsgiving is. You know, we're, we're all, as Christians, we're all called to tithe. You know, so that's, we give, you know, 10% of our income and that's to support the church, the church's ministries. And that, as, as Christians, we're all called to tithe and that's to support the church and the church's ministries. But almsgiving is something in addition to that. Almsgiving is the, the money we give or the, the goods we give, the, the, the service we give to the poor. It's directly for those who are suffering, for those in need. Uh, and, and that's above and beyond whatever tithing we may do for, uh, you know, from our income to, to help support the local church. Uh, we're really called to give of ourselves to serve the poor. And this was one of the biggest things in the early church. I'd love to do a whole podcast just on the theology of, of almsgiving and tithing. And maybe we'll do that down the road. But just briefly, the early Christians saw this was one of the number one signs of a true disciple, if you want to know, are you a real faithful Christian, an authentic Christian? Do you care for the poor? Uh, do, you, do you want to know, you, are you a Christian of great faith? You care for the poor. Why? Because if I really believe in God and I believe, really believe God provides for me, no matter what's going to happen, then then I can be generous and I'm going to, I'm going to take him at his word that he's going to care for me and I'm going to give to the poor. I mean, there's a beautiful line in the, old, in, in the Bible where it talks about when you give, when you know, God says, you know, when you give alms, when you, when you give alms, the, the person who gives alms is going to re, be repaid in this life and the next, you know, tenfold, thirtyfold, a hundredfold. You know, so it's an amazing thing. Do I really believe God's word that if I actually am generous and I make sacrificial gifts financially, sacrificial gifts of my time to care for the poor or my money to give the poor or goods to give to the poor, do I really believe that my life is going to be so much more blessed I don't think most people think that. <laughs> I think Christians think, well, I'll give a little bit off the top, you know, like, like my spare change. I have a little bit of leftovers I could give over. But if I, if I really believed God and took him at his word that he says, trust me, encounter me in the poor, be generous with me in the poor, then I, I'll bless you abundance fold. Like, so if you give a hundred dollars to the poor, you know, you're going to get, you know, 30 fold back. 
I mean, if I told you on the, on the stock market, you, you know, that there was this amazing investment and you, if you invested, you would get a 30 fold R, ROI return on investment. Wouldn't that be amazing? Like you go, yeah, let's do it. Well, God is infallible. He's the, the perfect advisor for your investments, the investment of your life, the investment of your heart. What are you going to give? And, and he's challenging us to really encounter him in the poor and, and, Really, when we do this, you know, we're helping the poor, of course, but we become changed. We become men and women of greater faith because we trust in God's providence for our lives and not our financial planning and all we do to stock up and save for ourselves. Uh, we, we become more like Jesus because we grow in love. You know, when I, when I have to give, especially sacrificially, I become more like Jesus himself who gives totally sacrificially for us on the cross. This is the beauty of almsgiving. So, uh, think about these three practices and think of them as all about making space in your heart, fasting, prayer, almsgiving, dare to go out into the desert this Lent. Don't just do a couple little things on the side. Try to build that quiet and solitude to meet Jesus. Try to come into touch with your greater hunger and your greater thirst, in, which is really for him. And, and if we do that, we'll meet our Lord in the desert and he'll find space in our hearts for us. To, to welcome him. Now, I want to just recommend a couple resources to you. Can I share with you just the, some things that have really blessed me in my Lenten journeys in years past? Um, one book is a book, I mentioned this last year, I'm going to mention it again because I really love this book. It's by um, Mother Mary Francis. She is Franciscan sister, and the book is called A Time of Renewal, Daily Reflections for the Lenten Season. A Time for Renewal, Daily Reflections for the Lenten Season. And so I want to really recommend this. I loved this for my Lenten journey last year. I've used a number of insights, not just for my own personal life, but even some of my teachings. She was amazing, very simple, very practical. Uh, it'll really help you meet Jesus in the desert. So check that book out. Um, I also want to recommend I, many, many times in Lent, I've used a, a book, a different books from one of my favorite Christian authors. And it's someone I'm going to be meeting actually here um, for... Uh, he's in Denver. His name is Father Jacques Philippe. You may know Father Jacques Philippe in his many works. I'm going to recommend one book of his. There's so many. Um, but I want to recommend one called Interior Freedom. Interior Freedom. It's all about how do I experience deep peace and freedom in my life with the love of Christ. And it's all about that idea of making that space and trusting in God's providence, making space in my heart for him more. Uh, so check out that book, Interior Freedom by Father Jacques Philippe. That would be a, a wonderful spiritual read. Uh, so those are two books I've used in, in previous lands. I'm going to share with you one. This one I haven't used because I wrote this one. So it's it's too close to me, <laughs> but maybe it would bless you. And, 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 and I've mentioned this a number of times on, on the show before, but I'll just bring it to your attention. It's the book I wrote on Christ's passion. And, you know, that's the focus of the Lenten season. It's called No Greater Love a biblical walk through Christ's passion. So if you're looking for something maybe a little more on the biblical side of things to really enter into those biblical accounts of Christ's passion that many of us have heard about from our childhood, you know, we know about Jesus and agonizing in the garden and scourged at the pillar, crowned with the thorns, carrying a cross and, and then dying on Calvary. But do you know all the prophecies behind that? And do you know what it all meant? Like what Jesus was saying, what he was doing, and who were those women of Jerusalem that were weeping? Who was Simon of Cyrene? Why did Judas do what he did? Uh, why were the chief priests so mad at Jesus to really bring you into 
the, the story of Christ's passion, which is the climax of all of salvation history. You can check that one out as well called No Greater Love, A Biblical Walk Through Christ's Passion. And this one I wrote and it just came out a year ago. So I know some of you have already read it, but I'll recommend that as well. So I hope this has been helpful for your Lenten journey. I want to just ask you all, if, if you if you enjoy this podcast, if this is something that blesses you and you have friends or family that you know might be blessed by it, you know, I, I want to encourage you. Could, could you share this podcast with others? I, I just really want to get the good news out there and be able to help people in their Lenten journey and just their whole journey of discipleship, walking with the Lord. And so you could check out this podcast. You can pass it on all things Catholic. Again, I'm your host, Edwards Three. Thanks for listening. And always remember, if you want to get those show notes, you can go to ascensionpress.com slash all things Catholic. Again, ascensionpress.com all slash all things Catholic to find the show notes and subscribe to those. And you can always reach out to me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and my website, which is just my name, edwards3.com. That's edwardsri.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. God bless you and your preparations for Lent.